This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipska from Chabad of Hyde Park. And a wonderful Arab Shabbos to all of you, and what a special Shabbos it is, the Shabbos between Yom Kippur and Sukkot. And as we explained last week, a Shabbos has the power, the energy, the divine blessing to bless the days of the past week and bless the days of the coming week. This Shabbos is a link, it's a chain, it connects the blessing of Yom Kippur and the blessing of Sukkot and makes it a very special Shabbos because it connects the holiest day of the year with the most joyous time of the year. And when these two elements come together, the days of awe, the days of joy, the days of forgiveness and atonement, and the days of absolute celebration, can you just imagine what that combination brings? It brings about a tremendous sense of spiritual upliftment and realization that we as a people are strong, we are noble, we are proud, and we stand together as a people, we stand in times of difficulty, we stand in times of awe, we stand together in times of joy, we celebrate, we go through the experiences of the Torah calendar, of the Jewish calendar, of life together as a people, and each and every one of those elements only makes us stronger, not only individually, but collectively as a people as well. It makes us stronger because we realize we contain tremendous elements on every single level of human expression and human experience. But the question, of course, should be asked, how is it possible that one Shabbos should connect what appears to be opposites? On the one hand, we speak about days of awe, days of atonement, the days of Rosh Hashanah, the Aser Kimei ten days of repentance leading up to the Day of Atonement, the Day of Atonement being a day that we kind of divorce ourselves from the physical reality of the world. We dress in white, we are compared to angels, we don't eat, we don't drink, we don't wear leather shoes, and it's a day that we commit ourselves to connecting with God on a spiritual level. We are concerned about the status of our soul. We are concerned with what's happening within us. We are concerned that we should be cleansed from all short shortcomings, all mistakes, all the errors that we may have made, and we go through a day of intense prayer, ten times almost. We beat our chest as we say al-chait. We go through a long list of every possible sin, of every possible mistake that we could have done. Not that we do them all, but could have done in one way or another. And Sukkot, of course, is a time of zaman simchatenu, a time of joy. We sit in the sukkah, we celebrate. It's a time that we are told, v'samachta bechagecha, to actually live up in a sense of tremendous joy. How can we possibly connect and bring together these two extreme opposites. On the one hand, a day of awe, a day of serious introspection, a day of trying to achieve God's ultimate forgiveness and atonement for all the shortcomings in our lives. And at the same time, the same day brings us into a dimension of incredible joy as well. And not only that, but our sages tell us that the days between Yom Kippur and Sukkot are the holiest days of the year because we leave Yom Kippur as people who are pure and refreshed, atoned by God, forgiven by God. We are given a chance to start anew. We are fresh. We are, in a sense, spiritually reborn. 
And, well, during this time, each and every one of us is concerned with preparing for the festival of Sukkot. We build Sukkot, and we uh, have the four species, the Lulav, the Etrog, the Hadassim, the Aravot. We are busy with all sorts of Sukkot mitzvot. It's a time of great perfection, and one wonders still, how is it possible that one day, this Shabbat, this Shabbat that we are going to enter in a short while, this Shabbat should bring together these two extreme opposites. And when we think about it, they're not opposites at all. The days of awe might be serious days, days of introspection, days that culminate in a situation where we refrain from involving ourselves, indulging in physical material dimension, but nonetheless, in the essence, Yom Kippur is a day of great joy as well. The realization that God forgives us, the realization that God atones for all our shortcomings and sins, the day that purifies us to the level that we become as if newborn in the spiritual sense, ultimately, this is the greatest joy. It's a joy that's contained within a somber, serious day. It's a joy that's contained within the psalmist of the holy day of Yom Kippur, but nonetheless, the core, the essence, is one of incredibly infinite eternal joy. And it's precisely Sukkot that draws out this internal, eternal joy to the fore, to the consciousness in terms of our behavior. The joy is there, but it's contained within the days of awe. Along comes Sukkot, and Sukkot draws out this wonderful, powerful joy that we possess within. And what causes that, say our sages, this Shabbos? Shabbos brings together these two seemingly opposite elements. On the one hand, it blesses the day of Yom Kippur. It brings blessing to the idea of atonement and forgiveness. It brings blessing to the whole purpose of our existence on the most essential level. And it also blesses the coming days, the days of tremendous joy, the days of Sukkot, when we we are told to really express our whole behavior through the medium of joy. And this should give each and every one of us tremendous, tremendous desire to use this time correctly, to use this Shabbos correctly, to use the experience that binds together the essence of joy with the expression of joy, the inner joy and the external joy, both coming from the source of eternal and infinite joy. A person should really try to use this day, this Shabbos, in the fullest sense of the word. And this is why our sages tell us it is indeed an extraordinary Shabbos, a very special Shabbos, a Shabbos that brings out this incredible awareness that we are connected with God. We are connected with God on a permanent, eternal level. And as we go through the prayers of Yom Kippur, and yes, some of them are quite intense. Some of them do speak about judgment and justice. Nonetheless, they also speak about forgiveness. And as we stand at Ne'ilah, we somehow have the feeling that our prayers have been answered. The ark is open throughout. It's a time when each and every one of us feels this tremendous sense that we are connected. And this is why it's the custom in many places, the custom of Chabad, that just before we blow the shofar, 
At the end of Yom Kippur, we break out in what is known as Napoleon's March, a great, joyous Hasidic song, and we sing it with tremendous intensity because there is the awareness that we are victorious and we are going to enter a period of joy. More of that soon. This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipska from Chabad of Hyde Park. We're talking about the idea of Shabbos bringing together these two powerful elements. And it's interesting that the Parsha that we read on the Shabbos, that we often read on the Shabbos between Yom Kippur and Sukkot, is the Parsha of Hazinu, the great song of Hazinu, the song that covers all of Jewish history, a song that tells us a powerful and profound story, a powerful story in the sense that it talks to our hearts, it reminds us who we are. At the end of last week's Parsha, Moshe speaks to the people and he says, listen carefully to the song that I am going to teach you. Listen carefully and indeed make sure that you remember what it's all about. And it says that Moshe spoke into the ears of the entire congregation because he wanted each and every one of them to fully appreciate that this song collectively describes the history of the Jewish people, but at the same time speaks to us individually, individuals that go through life with ups and downs, with obvious blessing and sometimes challenges, and how this song can make us understand the quality of life. It's the song of Hazinu. Hazinu Shamaim. Moshe addresses heaven and earth to stand witness to what he's going to say to his people. And of course, why heaven and earth as witness? Because heaven and earth is, in a physical sense, that which brings about blessing. It's the earth that produces the wealth of what we have, the earth that produces not only mineral wealth, but the agricultural wealth. It's the earth that feeds the people. The breadbasket of humankind is the earth, and from heaven, of course, much-needed rain, much-needed water, in order to ensure that heaven and earth come together to bring about the blessing of sustenance, of prosperity, in the fullest sense of the word. And while, of course, they're not witnesses in the simple sense of the word, they are witnesses in the profound sense of the word, because God forbid when the heavens don't produce the rain, or God forbid the land becomes arid and no longer is able to grow anything, grain or fruit. Mankind suffers terribly. Drought and famine are some of the most horrible things that can happen to a human being. And what Moshe is saying now in the name of God, listen to this story. Listen to this song. This song is your song. Because how heaven and earth will act and react will be as a result of your behavior. If you choose to follow the law of God, if you choose to listen to the word of God, if you choose to live a life which is ethical and moral, based upon Torah values, if you choose to live a life filled with Hashem's mitzvot, then heaven and earth will respond accordingly. But if you choose to become, God forbid, rebellious, if you choose to ignore the law of God, if you choose to turn your back on all the blessings that God gives us, then God forbid it's very possible that heaven and earth will react accordingly. Heaven won't give its rain and the earth won't give of its wealth. And it's a beautiful song, a beautiful song at 
talks to us about what happened to us and what will happen to us depending on the behavior of how we deal with God's law, how we deal with Torah, how we deal with mitzvot. It's a song that's divided into six portions. And interestingly enough, just as the Levim, the Levites in the Holy Temple, when the temple was standing and the daily offering was brought, they would sing a different song every single day. There was the song of Sunday, the song of Monday. In fact, after davening, on a daily basis, we speak about Hayom, Yom Rishon B'Shabbos. We speak about the first song. We take a one of the psalms, and that was the song they sang on a daily basis every day of the six days of the week. They sang a different song. However, when it comes to the idea of Musaf and Shabbos, there was an additional offering brought on the temple in addition to the daily offering. And on Shabbat, they would sing one of the six portions of Ha'azinu. And one wonders, Shabbat is a day of great joy, Shabbat is a day of great celebration, Shabbat is a day that we recognize godliness, Shabbat is a day that we somehow focus on far more spiritual, serious matters. Why would they want to sing a song that speaks to us about the possibility of being punished? Why do they want to sing a song that talks to us about children who have rebelled, children who have turned their back on God and godliness? And the answer, of course, is because all of that, within essence, is a great blessing, and that's why it was sung precisely on Shabbos. The song of Ahazinu, the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, often said that every businessman should sing this song and know this song by heart because this is a song that brings about enormous blessing. It's a song that not only reminds us who we are and what we are, it not only focuses on us as a people, as a nation, as individuals who have to deal with all sorts of challenges in life, internal challenges, external challenges, sometimes coming against difficulties beyond us, sometimes having to encounter the nations of the world who didn't treat us all that well throughout history. Nonetheless, we speak about the ultimate blessing. We speak about how, in fact, all of this will turn into something which is extraordinary and great. And this is why this is a song that speaks to us on a daily basis as well. This gives us the ability to somehow encounter the challenges with a different view, with a different attitude, that yes, there might be moments of difficulty, situations of difficulty. Each and every one of us has them, but nonetheless, contained in that encounter, contained in that challenge, the possibility of enormous blessing, extraordinary elements of divine greatness that translates into the wonderful blessings that heaven and earth can give us. This is the Parsha of Azino. It's clothed sometimes within language that is difficult to appreciate, challenging language, but nonetheless contains within it powerful elements of joy. This is what we're talking about. This is the Shabbos that connects the days of awe, the days of seriousness of Rosh Hashanah, ten days of repentance, Yom Kippur, day of atonement, and the days that are coming in this week, next week, and that is the festival of Sukkot, bringing together the two elements which might appear to be opposites, nonetheless are in fact the same. One contains the treasure 
of ultimate joy, and the other contains the expression of that ultimate joy. And as we go through that song, we come across tremendous elements of understanding of what, in fact, our faith is all about. We almost begin with the words, Hatsur Tamim Po'olo, God, we refer to him as the rock, that his actions are just. You know, sometimes in life, we have situations that we don't understand. And the fact is, we don't understand everything. There are situations which are simply far beyond human capacity of understanding. While we are creatures of incredible intelligence, while we are people who understand the profundity of Torah, the secrets of Torah, on all sorts of levels, nonetheless, there are situations that when we ask why, we simply don't have an answer. And not because there's no answer. It's because the answer is beyond human capacity. It is beyond human power to understand And sometimes when we think about what happens, we turn to God and we ask, why? Is this fair? Is this just? Is this correct? And this is why from the opening stanzas of this incredible song, poem of Ha'azinu, we speak about Hatsur Tamim Polov, that God's actions are always just and correct. And while it might take Years, it might take many lifetimes for us to see the justice of any particular act throughout history, we will ultimately understand. In fact, when Mashiach will come, one of the great rewards that we will have is a full understanding of all of God's actions. And this is a tremendous demonstration and expression of our faith. You see, of course it's easy to ask questions, and of course it's easy to walk away angry and upset, thinking to yourself, ha, why would God want to do something like that? An angry God, a terrible God. But on the other hand, when we express our faith, when we express our devotion to God with a tremendous sense of profound faith, that in itself brings about blessing. Yes, it might be difficult to accept the fact that God is always just. But nonetheless, this is something that we have to understand. We don't ultimately understand everything. And at the same time, we have to understand as much as we can. And this is why the song tells us all sorts of situations, what has happened and how it happened and why it happened. And when God says, my children have turned away from me, I have hidden my face from them. There's a cause and effect. There's a realization that sometimes our behavior, we might not recognize how negative our behavior is, but there is always justice there. There is always correctness. God will not punish, God forbid, anyone who doesn't deserve to be punished. And even then, the punishment, strangely enough, is a source of blessing as well. It's a process of atonement. And we go through that experience on Yom Kippur. We talk about again and again and again 
the life of the human being, the purpose of the human being, the understanding that a human being has to devote his life to higher and better things. A human being must rise above the weaknesses of his society. He has to rise above the shallowness of society. He has to rise above all sorts of strange temptations and become that individual that truly reflects this devotion to God. The days of awe tell us what life is really all about and how we can stand before God. And we ask for atonement, and he does forgive us, and he does bring about a purification of our souls, our souls that are connected with our bodies. This is something that each and every one of us feels and does during the days of awe. Equally important, it's necessary to celebrate as well. And this is why we move from Yom Kippur to Sukkot. And in Sukkot we are told, to rejoice during the festival. And it is a time of great joy. It culminates, of course, through the days of Sukkot when we celebrate Simchat Beit Eva, we celebrate Shmini Yetzeret, we celebrate ultimately Simchat Torah when we dance with the Torah, both on Shmini Yetzeret and on Simchat Torah. It's a time that grows, progressive joy develops as we move through the days, but it is a time that each and every single day we are obligated to draw out from within the powerful dimension of joy that we have accumulated during the days of awe. And what brings about that possibility of moving from awe to joy? It's this Shabbos. And what about the Shabbos? It's the Shabbos that we sing the song of Azinu. We sing the song that tells us that heaven and earth stand as witnesses. And we proclaim our faith in God by saying his ways are perfect. More of that soon. This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipska from Chabad of Hyde Park. We're talking about this whole idea of recognizing the positive, the greatness that is contained within each and every single situation. And I'm going to quote something to you that someone sent me recently, a word of the Rebbe, and it says as follows. Imagine you could open your eyes to see only the good in every person, the positive in every circumstance, and the opportunity in every challenge. Those are profound and powerful words. Can you believe it? When you begin to see only the good in every person, every person has shortcomings. Every person has, well, all sorts of negative elements. But if you would focus on the individual and see only the good, can you imagine how good that relationship would be? Not only because you see the good in the other, but because you have trained yourself to look for good. Can you imagine if you see the positive in every circumstance? Circumstances are up and down and difficult and whatever. But to see the positive and the opportunity in every challenge, those are the incredible wise words of the Rebbe when he talks to us about how we should develop our life. And it's precisely this Shabbos, this song of Ha'azinu, that tells us how to do this precisely. Look at history. Understand what happens when we allow negativity to take possession of us, when we allow all sorts of other negative elements 
to kind of blind us to the true reality of a situation where we allow anger and rage, sometimes stupidity, to darken our thoughts about others, about the world in which we live, about our relationship with God. Everything that God does is just. And if, in fact, everything is just, then every single situation contains enormous dimensions of blessing. And as we go through the whole song of Azina, there's no time now. What does he say toward the end? He says toward the end of the song, a very powerful admonition to the nations of the world. Harninu goyim amo. Nations of the world sing the praises of the Jewish people. Nations of the world remember that God will avenge all that you have done to the Jewish people. He's speaking about the Messianic times. He's speaking when the ultimate justice will be revealed. That despite the fact that we have gone through generations, thousands of years of difficulty and suffering, we survive, we are here. We are here with pride and with dignity and with strength. And Moshe, speaking in the name of God, tells the nations of the world, Harninu Gayim Amo, nations of the world, sing the praises of the Jewish people. Don't encounter them in difficulty, in battle, in submission. You'll be tempted again and again and again. And this is one lesson that history hasn't taught the nations of the world because they have all failed. They have been the most powerful nations in the world. And ultimately they have failed and they have fallen. And this handful of people, the Jewish people, survive. Survive not only as a people, but survive with the dignity of Torah and commitment to God. And this is how the song ends. It's uplifting. It brings to mind the very essence of everything that's good and everything that's true and everything that's just. And as we approach the days of Sukkot, this coming week. Of course, I remember years ago when I first came here, there was a handful of individual Sukkot in the city. Yes, the shuls had Sukkot, but only a handful of people actually build their own throughout the city. Today, it's wonderful. Wherever you go in every neighborhood, wherever there are Jews, busy building, developing the most incredible Sukkot, the most beautiful Sukkot. This is a time that we sit under the, well, the non-roof of the sukkah because we proclaim our trust in God. It's not mortar and bricks that ultimately protect us. It's not all that that gives us strength. It is the blessing of God. And, of course, we take the Arab medium, the four species, the lulav, the etrog, the hadassim, the aravot, the beautiful palm, the beautiful etrog, the beautiful... Hadassim and Aravot, each one representing different dimensions of the human body that I spoke about before, each one representing different communities, different parts of the Jewish people. We bring it all together, we hold it in our hands, and we make a blessing, and we gently wave it around, we shake to the winds of the world and tell the world that we are here, we are united, we are strong, we are powerful, and this is why it's a time of such incredible joy, the joy, the realization that it's the blessing of God that gives us sustenance, it's the blessing of God that protects us, it's the 
blessing of God that truly takes care of us as a people, individually and collectively. And we do our bit by sitting in the sukkah to make that proclamation. And at the same time, during the day, to make the blessing on the Arba Minim, on the four species, on the Lulav and the Etrog, the Hadassim and the Arovah. This is something that each and every one of us should be doing with a tremendous sense of joy, this unity, this understanding, this incredible not only declaration of faith, but demonstration of faith. Each and every one of us showing precisely what we stand for, what we believe in. This is what Sukkot is all about. And it's their Shabbos that makes it happen. Yes, it's their Shabbos that draws out the inner powerful, infinite dimensions of joy that are contained within the days of awe, particularly Yom Kippur, that we just celebrated. And it's the day that allows us to give expression through obvious joy into the festival of Sukkot. This is a Shabbos unlike any other, and this is a Shabbos that we should celebrate with a tremendous degree of festivity and awareness to understand that the Parsha that we're reading, Hazinu, is the great song that Moshe says to each and every single Jew, I want you to know the song. And yes, it was a custom once upon a time that people actually learned the song by heart. It was on the lips of everyone because it is a tremendous demonstration of who and what we are. And this is why when you're in shul tomorrow, not a very long Parsha, Words are a bit difficult. Try and get a good translation. But listen carefully. Listen carefully to the Parsh of the week. Try to understand how each and one of those stanzas talks to us in a very personal and powerful sort of way. Make it real. Make it happen. Make it become that link that draws the infinity of Yom Kippur into the incredible joy of Sukkot. Try and bring together those incredible dimensions that each and every one of us possess. I wish you a good Shabbos, a wonderful Sukkot. Celebrate it with all your heart. Celebrate it as an expression of faith, as an expression of unity.